0: hi this is barbie joe and you are listening to don't get lost in the laundry this is a show for busy moms and families where we talk about household order and function we will discuss the tricks of the trade and systems that improve family life and managing a household. hi everybody barbie joe here And today, I'm so excited. We are talking to Jessica, who is a marriage and family therapy intern. She is so close to graduating. And I just have to tell you, she is a mom herself. She's expecting and she's one semester away from graduating. So, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. We are so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. So, I have to to say that being in this COVID situation, this new way of living, it's a lot. Yes. It's taken a total emotional toll on, I I don't know about everybody else, but me for sure. I know we're pulling our kids from public school and trying to find new solution for them being able to actually attend school and I just have this pending anxiety of the unknown because we don't know what on the other side. We don't know. We have lost so much control and I think we internalize that and it just kind of spills over into our family life and our poor children and husbands get the repercussions of that. So let's talk a little bit about emotional health and organizing that aspect of our
1: lives. Yeah, I think you hit on two really important pieces of this, this loss of control and the unknown. There's so much security that comes with even a little concrete knowledge and where all of this, I mean, there isn't an angle of our lives that we can't look at right now that doesn't feel pretty ambiguous, especially in the short term future. And that can rob us of a lot of our sense of control. And from that, we can get a lot of different emotions. Um, so something I want to focus on first, emotions, you know, you can say the word and my first thought is that they're just nebulous, kind of like this big spaghetti of just so much energy and messy, you know, and it can. I think that can be an image that many people relate to. Something that I think is helpful, though, is to to break that down and kind of help us decode, um, is that there's really only five emotions, and every other emotion that you can think of is merely just a combination to different degrees of these five emotions, and those emotions would be happy sad scared mad and surprised and so any i mean because we have thousands of words for different emotions right but if you picked any word you can kind of break it down into this is a combination of these different feelings to varying i guess amounts or degrees you could say but knowing that it ultimately comes down to these five can be a really helpful way to slow down and kind of check in and see what what's going on for me right now. So a simple way to do that is generally, you're not confused if you're happy. So if you're feeling a pretty strong reaction to something, happy can i mean, <laughs> You can know pretty quick whether that's in the mix or not. And then the other clue that's really helpful is that if you're feeling anger, anger is typically what we refer to as a secondary emotion, meaning that if you're feeling anger, you're feeling a couple of other things either at the same time or you felt them first. Because anger is a lot more personally or socially acceptable for us to feel. There's a lot less vulnerability that can come with feeling anger. It's a bit of a protective emotion. It can help you feel a degree of control because it's more, it can be more outward focused, but surprised and scared and sad, those are really vulnerable emotions. And those are the ones that are going to be fueling the anger. So the bigger the anger, Or frustration, the greater the sadness, the scared, or the fear. So, those are at least one way that I try to direct myself and clients to kind of identify what's kind of fueling the fire here.
0: So fascinating. Yes. So, what were the five of
1: them again? Say them again. Yeah. So, we got happy, angry, and then sad, scared, and surprised. So, not quite your seven dwarves, but.
0: Right, all right. I love that all of this vocabulary, we have pages and pages of descriptive words that we are trying to use to describe whatever it is we're going through or experiencing when it all boils down to five simple words and emotions. Mm-hmm. That makes it so much more manageable.
1: And it's a lot more accessible for a wider range of people. You don't have to have... This verbose lexicon to be able to make your point and explain to somebody how you're feeling. You can be, you know, five years old and access this language. You could be 55 years old and access this language, and it's pretty universal. People, oh, you're sad. I get that. I know what that's like. Or you're you're surprised, or you're scared, and it's very accessible, um, for people.
0: That is so good, especially when we're dealing with little people all day long. 'Cause my kids have also been going on the roller coaster of emotions of all of the curveballs they've been throwing. You know, mm-hmm. I have been able to participate in her homecoming football game or any of the mm-hmm. to do. And I have, you know, the whole range. I have grade school kids that are missing that face to face interaction with other friends. You know, they haven't left the house in months practically. So they're going through stuff too. And I'm seeing them process their emotions all very differently, but they all come back to me and want to kind of bounce them off of me. And so I have to, I feel like I have to be this catch-all and know how to give it back to them in the way that they can
1: relate to it best. You know, there's a lot of dialogue that kind of, I think illustrates the point that you're trying to make um, from scholars of mothers being the ones that lead out on the emotional work at home, on modeling what that looks like by their own feelings and expression, by helping guide their children through that process and that language. And so as women, we can feel a lot of the burden of that of I've not only got to wear all these other hats that I wear, but now I also have to wear this hat of therapist while simultaneously managing my own emotional health, which I may be drowning in or not sure what to do or trying to figure (laughs) out, you know, what do I add? And disappointed is a good word to just kind of, you know, expound on that from because, I mean, just look at disappointed. There's definitely a factor of surprise in that and then a factor of sadness, so, kids, especially your little little ones, who you may see as feeling disappointed, um, but they may not be able to grasp that word pretty quickly. That's an easy way for you to dilute that, and just you know what—that sounds like a good mix of feeling really sad and then really surprised because this isn't what you thought would happen. And both of those things yeah. become much more digestible for them. I love that. I remember
0: having a moment in front of my daughter, and I was telling her oh, that was so embarrassing. And she said, mom, what does that mean? embarrass embarrassing. <laughs> oh, how do you explain that? <laughs> Just embarrassing. Right.
1: right, well, and that's a, I mean, this is also a really good way to model that because it shows that emotions, are, they can be pretty complex. They can get pretty nuanced. Um, one of my all-time favorite quotes from Harry Potter, it's Cho is grieving Cedric. And Harry's kind of getting frustrated that she's not, you know, already on the Harry train and wanting to, you know, move their relationship along. And he's like, he's talking to Ron. He's like, what is going on? And Hermione gets really frustrated. And I'm trying to remember the exact language she uses. But basically, she's just like, she could be feeling this. I mean, she's probably grieving and confused, but she also likes you and all these different pieces. (laughs) And Ron's like, how can women, how can girls feel all these things? And he's, and so Hermione very cleverly is like, we don't all have the emotional capacity of a teaspoon. Um, and I love that because the reality is none of us have the emotional capacity of a teaspoon. We all feel... We can feel happy and sad and angry all at once. So you know, embarrassed. You look at what embarrassed is. I had a moment yesterday. I felt really embarrassed. There's definitely a factor of surprise. Like, oh, I I did not see this coming. I I'm kind of scared. Um, how do I? How do? How do I see myself? How do others see me? This isn't how I wanted to come across. I'm sad. This this isn't really what I wanted to happen at all. And I can be, you know, kind of angry, like, oh, that, that, you know, Brene Brown talks about that, that flooded, that warm wash of shame that you just feel go down your spine of just, oh, this is really kind of an icky place. I don't like this. And you can get mad. People really easily get mad when they're embarrassed.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to cut ourselves a little slack because we are so much and so much has changed so quickly and we're having to adapt and just be kind of chameleons in this new surrounding this new environment that's you know kind of taken over our
1: lives yeah always changing always unsure i mean it is it is really hard to figure out you're kind of remember there's this exercise i i danced in high school and you know the ballerinas would try to do point on a, what was it? It's like an exercise ball, but half of it is solid. And they would try to balance on that. And that's the image that comes to mind for me in a pandemic, except I'm not nearly as graceful as I was when I was a 17-year-old dancer.
0: (laughs) Right. That's what we are doing. It's a balancing act right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to Realize that we're going to have bad days. We're going to have meltdowns and that it's okay. Embrace them, mm-hmm. process them, sit with them for a minute. I would say, try not to stay in them too long or make them too frequent, but you know, just kind of take them as they come and assess where you're at and move forward and try to do better and be better.
1: Oh yeah, there's an excellent um, book, Tuesdays with Maury. And um, Maury, who is dying from a terminal illness, ALS, Mitch Abelon, who's writing the book, interviews him and it's just like, you've got this hanging over you. How do you deal with the feelings of it? And he does a really good job because we tend to feel like if I push these emotions away, I can deal with them later. We kind of end up just keep pushing them and pushing them. And it's like the it's like the, the balancing board or the um, float board that your kids have at the pool. And they try to stand on it and push it down, push it down. and It comes up and it hits them in the face. And we can totally do that with our emotions. And Maury says, you know, I wake up and sometimes I am really overwhelmed by this feeling of sadness. And he goes, you know, I, I sit with it and I listen to it. And then I tell it, okay, I've, I've, I've heard what I needed to, and I'm able to let it go until the next time it needs to talk to me again. And I think that's a really accurate representation of the relationship we could build with these emotions, because right now we're all in this place where we're experiencing this chronic condition of not knowing, of this kind of background anxiety always going on. And the way we learn to deal with that is to build a relationship with it and be able to sit with it when we need to so that it doesn't get to a point where it's chronically overwhelming us. And it's okay that it does overwhelm us, but as we're able to build a relationship with us with it, it doesn't have to chronically overwhelm us and constantly be in charge of our emotional home.
0: That is so good. I think these are conversations we need to be having with our kids I think they're having a harder time processing a lot of what's happening, and we need to make that an open conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the more, I mean, I think there's this pressure as parents, I mean, speaking firsthand, of, you know, I can't, I don't want to fall down in front of kids because it'll make them nervous, it'll make them anxious, or, you know, I've got to, you know, be up on my white horse. And it's this really good moment when you do feel like you're struggling and they are a witness to it because kids are so aware of what's going on. And to just walk them through what's going on for you and hey, you know, mommy's having a really hard day. I'm so sorry I yelled at you. Um I, I lost my cool there. Um I'm really scared right now. So and you know, it's okay that I feel scared. Yeah, but it's it's I think sometimes it's scary. I know it is scary for me to think about, like, I don't want to stress my kids out. So I want to be the rock. And then you end up, you know, just like you said, it's just vomiting all over everybody, you know, just that those dark feelings that you're feeling. For sure.
0: Just the other day, we got a phone call from the principal of our middle school. And they announced that one of the seventh graders passed away over the weekend. And my son went off to football practice And came home saying, mom, that was one of our teammates. Oh. And he was struggling. He was struggling with depression. So that opens up also yeah. a whole new set of conversations that we're having because suicide rates are on the rise and depression is on the
1: rise. Yeah. I mean, I once this pandemic hit in March when, you know, Governments are really taking action. And I think that's when the fear started to really sit in. My, my office and my coworkers, we just, you know, everybody got flooded and it's been, I mean, my, my industry, it's just been, people have been very busy. And I mean, it just speaks exactly to like you're saying, this has been, I mean, when you think about what's already taxing your system without a pandemic going on, and then the drain that comes with all the factors of, you know, living through this right now, then you have these populations that are already vulnerable that get into a really scary place. And then isolation is always a bit of a powder keg for vulnerabilities. So yeah, we are seeing a lot more of that and it's becoming even more paramount that parents are able to have those conversations and be mindful of, you know, are we needing to supplement our kids resources with, you know, so with other groups, with therapy, you know, what what's going on here and just kind of, you know, checking the temperature on the emotional health of the home, not much more.
0: Right. That's so key. We just have to be in tune to the thermostat of our own homes. You know, how mm-hmm. how is everybody doing? We need to check in on a regular basis
1: and make sure we know and we're aware. Just like you were saying, I was, um, I was talking to a parent about this very issue um, the other day. And I think there's a very common feeling in parents of, does this need therapy? Am I blowing this out of proportion? Or how are they going to react if it's not that bad? And I'm like, maybe you need therapy. And you know, the conversation I ended up having with her was always trust your gut. Uh, Your gut is a combination of, I think, spiritual insights, um, subliminal data that you're getting that you may not be conscious you're processing on top of your knowledge and, you know, all the information you are conscious you have. And so trust your gut. And then two, if it's an overreaction, it's maybe as harmful as taking your kids to the doctor for a well child or an extra checkup when you thought they had an ear infection and they didn't. I mean, it's preventative, it's helpful and it's extra tools. So I would, you know, and maybe I'm biased as a, you know, as a mental health professional, but I would lean into that anxiety and trust that, you know, giving an extra tool can be always helpful and trust your gut. Don't, don't gaslight yourself. Don't second guess yourself.
0: 100%. That is so good. And a lot of times we do. We second guess ourselves. So we, we doubt those inner gut checks and we need to really kind of stand behind what we're, what we're feeling and act accordingly. Well, I am so grateful that you took the time today to come and talk to us and help us kind of get in check emotionally and get organized in that aspect of our life because it is so prevalent. It is so uh, important, especially today. Thank you for being on the show today. my pleasure. My pleasure.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Tell us, how can we find you? If you needed to reach out to you, is there a way for us to contact you, work with you? What
1: do you have going on? Yeah. um, So I work at Living Hope Christian Counseling Service. Um, They have a Facebook page and a messenger that's linked to that. Um, So that's one way that my office can be reached. And by virtue of me, I actually manage the social media of that. Um, So that can be a, a quicker way to get to me as well. But yeah, that's... I am hoping to be able to launch um, my own personal professional Facebook page in the next couple months or so. So that'll be coming out. But yeah, that'll be a couple routes to to get a hold of me.
0: Thank you so much. And we hope to have you back on the show again. And oh, I'd love to keep this conversation going. It's so
1: important. For sure. Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much, BJ. All
0: right. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for listening to Don't Get Lost in the Laundry. Don't forget to check out our website at barbiejoe.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you've got to check out my programs. I'd love to have you join me at barbiejoe.com.